The show you love with even more local news and more local reaction. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And a wonderful Tuesday afternoon to you. A little blustery here near our clandestine Mike Douglas Show studios. Winds about 18 to 20 miles an hour. Beautiful day, though, and thank you for joining us here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas here, your personal concierge for conversation as we tackle the issues of the day that affect you and me and have the opportunity to look at all sides of them and help each other work through and uh, perhaps see some new insights into many of these subjects as well. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll be back to our full two hours today. Uh, That after uh, yesterday and the uh, NCAA uh, uh, championship, wow, what a game. Uh, Kansas uh, coming back, I thought that really North Carolina uh, was uh, was going to hang on there after halftime, but uh, Kansas made a, an amazing comeback and defeating North Carolina 72-69 to yesterday in the NCAA men's basketball final. So we are back to two hours today, and this just in, oh, maybe about a half hour before airtime here, Sacramento Police have uh, announced that They have arrested a third person who is tangentially, that's my word, uh, associated with the uh, shooting that killed six people, wounded uh, 12 others on Sunday. Uh, They arrested 31-year-old Davion uh, Dawson late Monday on charges of being a prohibited person in possession of a firearm. Uh, let's see, Not uh, he's not charged, as are the other two, not charged with crimes directly related to the shootings. And, of course, as you um, know, neither are Dondre Martin, the first person who was arrested uh, in, in loose connection with the shooting, nor his brother, Smiley Martin. So all three who have been arrested uh, are not being arrested for the murders, at least at this point at all. Uh, They were around and somewhat connected to the scene and the time frame, but they are not being charged with a specific crime. So uh, three people now arrested, uh, the third again being uh, Davion Dawson, 31 years old, and uh, already arrested Dondre Martin, 26, Smiley Martin, 27. Uh, Those two are, uh, are brothers. What are, uh, what are the first things you can expect after a tragic shooting like this? Politicians running to the microphone or Twitter, social media, television camera, whatever. And one of the first, uh, first phrases out of their mouths many times are, well, thoughts and prayers are are fine that's fine but we need to do more how many times have we heard that we need to do more we need to do more well california has done a lot legislatively and if it's legislation that actually solves this problem how come we still have a problem here in california well, I think we know the answer to that, but let's uh, let's explore it together. What's the more that's needed 
to solve these shootings. What is the more? What would you do if you were a California state assembly member or a state senator? What would or the governor? What and I'd be happy to vote for you for governor. But let's say you're a legislator here in California or the governor. When people and politicians say, we need to do more, what would be your more? What more do you want to do to try to curb violence when it comes to shootings and mass casualty incidents? Our number here, 209-551-3483. I know we had uh, not a lot of time to explore this with you tomorrow, so we'll open up the phones and continue that discussion today. 209-551-3483. What more do you think California can do to deal with these issues? Now, uh, today... And I don't know if it got to the uh, committee yet, but there was scheduled to be a hearing on SB 1327 today. And this is a bill that would allow private citizens to sue assault weapon and gun ghost makers, sellers, and transporters. Do you think that's a, you think that's a good law? You think that's a, that's a good thought? Of course, they're patterning that after the, the law recently uh, passed in, in Florida, and uh, w- which had to do not with guns at all, uh, but, um, but with abortions. And, and so I'm, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a little uh, perturbed at the fact that every time something like this happens, Did I say Florida? I'm sorry, let me correct myself. That law that we're talking about, anti-abortion law, was Texas, law enacted in Texas. Uh, So Senator Bob Hertzberg, a Democrat from Van Nuys, would give citizens the private right of action to sue gun manufacturers and suppliers. And again, he has modeled this after the anti-abortion law recently enacted in Texas. I'm... uh, I'm getting weary of blaming other people for other people's failures and their criminality and their evil. I think one of the problems that we have as a society is that we've done away with personal responsibility. It's always someone else's problem. Make someone else pay. Maybe that's a place we can start. Our number here, 209-551-3483. We have to do more, say the politicians. What do you think that more may be? Let's find out uh, from John in Brentwood. Hi, John. What are your thoughts? Hey, Mike, real quickly, um, I would do away with all the appeal process, one or two appeals, and then that's it. I would increase penalties for all crimes across the board. I would reinstate more law enforcement in every city, and I would bring back the death penalty. I like that list. And so that's li- what I would do. yeah, so limit uh, limit the number of appeals, right? Not you're not saying right. eliminate them totally, but limit the you know, and I understand what you're saying that these appeals that go on and on and on and on and drag on for years and sometimes decades, and um, and increase uh, the penalties. I like that, 
And what were your uh, other two uh, increase uh, support of law enforcement budgets? Increase support of law enforcement and and also increase the number of law enforcement officers. Yeah. I would go on a hiring deal and, and, and try and bring more people in and, and give them more support from the local and state government instead of trying to fight them so much where nobody wants to be a policeman anymore. Great point. Yeah, right on the money, John. And then, uh, and, and, and then I would bring back the death penalty because when people have a fear of something, they're less likely to do it. In California now, you can pretty much do what you want, and you might get caught. You might not. And even if you do, you might get penalized. You might not. And it's it's right now law enforcement in California is pretty much a joke. It is. The enforcement of it is a joke. And I have great empathy for all those in law enforcement right now, John. I, 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 no pun intended, but I think they're handcuffed in many, many different ways. And uh, we'll, we'll talk in, in a couple of minutes, John, and this is kind of a, a tangent off of, of your comments here. We look at the second guy, the, the second brother, uh, who was arrested, this smiley. Martin, we're going to talk about his history here in a moment. And, John, it fits right in with your point that when we don't have any deterrence, that uh, evil and uh, the erosion of the uh, rule of law runs amok. John, thanks for your call. Great points. Appreciate that very much. Our telephone number here, 209-551-3483. Politicians say in the wake of these kinds of shootings, we have to do more. What do you think that more would be? John got us off to a great start here from from Brentwood. Speaking of start, if you want to start selling your home, I have a solution for you. (laughs) With the rapidly changing home prices, are you worried about leaving money on the table? Call the agent I trust, Dan Phipps. Dan's proprietary marketing system, he guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours for full market value or he'll sell it for free. That's an amazing guarantee. His home selling program is designed to maximize your sales price and you're in complete control. Now, this this is music to my ears. No long-term contracts, no required costly repairs, and you pick your own move date. And Dan can even help you find a new home before you move. Warren from Modesto had a rental house, but he was ready to take advantage of the hot market. He wanted to cash out. His top priority was getting the highest price possible, but he didn't want to inconvenience his tenant or spend a lot of money fixing up the house. That was a tall order, but not a problem for our buddy Dan Phipps. Warren says in days, Dan sold his home for thousands more than updated houses nearby. So call Dan Phipps. Dan is the man I recommend, and I would hire to sell my own home. He's the only agent who guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours or it's sold free. Call Dan Phipps, 209-840-6378, or go to danphipps.com. That's Dan Phipps with three Ps, D-A-N-P-H-I-P-P-S, Dot com and the Mike Douglas show will continue in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas show now weekdays from three till five on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. It's today's conversation for Stockton, Modesto, and beyond. beyond. Now back to the Mike Douglas show. 
on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. We're talking about the words that often come out of politicians' mouths after mass shootings. Got to do more. Got to do more. Well, what do you think more could be? We'll talk about California, how it leads the nation in the number of gun uh, control laws. And yet, here we go again. Let's see uh, what your thoughts are. What do you think the more is when politicians say we need to do more? Area code 209-551-3483. What would you do to solve the problem? Let's, uh, Let's check in with Kyle from Salida. Kyle, what do you think? Well, sir, thank you for your program. First of all, I believe that uh, within one year, give a rapist or a murderer two trials. Two trials, and within the week after that final uh, decision on the trial, if they're found guilty, within one week after that, have a public execution as far as hanging, have a ticket sold to the public, and whatever money comes in from those ticket sales go to the victims of the crime. But shortly after one year after they've been found guilty, after two trials, execution. No questions asked after two trials. Quickly, within one I, year. Yeah, and, and this is this is very interesting, uh, Kyle. This is a theme that's coming up today, and that is, I think a lot of us are perturbed by the way these things drag on, number one. And number two, that the deterrent, obviously, isn't much of a deterrent. The way, the way the law is being uh, enforced. Now, so you're saying, hey, uh, this is an interesting thought. Public hangings, sell tickets to them, and then uh, the proceeds go to the victims of, or, or the families of the victims. Have I got that right? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. Now, I'm so sorry. If one person, if one person 20 years down the road that the DNA didn't match, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that one person, but that's the way it goes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Kyle, let, let me just ask the last question here. Are you, because I'm picking this yep. up and I think I feel it as well. Are you just frustrated with our approach, approaches to all this? Oh, I'm 69. I grew up in Sacramento. Folsom Prison wasn't too far away, but mm. when I was five years old, I could walk to the store after school and pick up a nickel candy bar. And you had nothing to fear. But then again, back in the day, the police, the sheriffs, they were six foot tall. Yep. And you didn't mess with the sheriff. Mm-hmm. You just didn't. Nowadays, you, you go into San Francisco and um, they're police person that are five foot tall. And anyway, that's my beef. Okay, Bring yeah. back the strong policeman. That's all. Uh, I got you, Kyle, and I Thank think you, that, that command presence is all part of the uh, deterrent. Kyle, thanks for your call. Kyle from Salida, appreciate uh, appreciate that very much. Uh, and I think Kyle does make a point, and uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure where I land on this, but I, I think he has a point. And I, listen, for those of you in law enforcement, I mean, I never got to six foot. I and I wanted to be six foot so bad I could taste it. My dad was six foot. I never got to six foot. I got to five ten in my advancing years. Now I'm probably less than that. But anyway, the point being uh, that I at at five ten I I was allowed to be a cop, and at that time it, they were just beginning to relax the height restrictions. 
And I, in some ways, I, I see the value of the height restrictions. Now, for those of you in law enforcement who are on the lower height scale, I'm, I'm not... I'm not attacking you. I'm not saying you're not worthy of the job. I'm just saying that when you're confronted with a guy that's six, six, two, there's a command presence there that makes you think twice about messing, uh, messing with that officer. And, and so I, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about Kyle's point here. And again, I, I don't want to disrespect those who are not real tall, but I think there is a, a value to command presence and the same in the fire service, not, not so much height, but strength. You have to be able to drag those hoses. You have to be able to carry people and et cetera. There, that, you know, it's an interesting, interesting thought. Maybe we need to explore that together. Thank you, Kyle, for bringing that up. Let's, uh, let's go to Hayward, uh, and Larry from Hay- Hayward. Larry, what, what are your thoughts regarding all of this? Well, I think I'm as being simple. One, if you're commi- convicted of a crime and you get seven years in jail, you don't get out early for good behavior. You stay longer for bad behavior. So in other words, be a time certain for the jail thing. And, and that, I feel, is important. Secondly, when you go back and check, most of the people who commit very bad crimes are on parole. And it should fall back on the parole board personally, just like in a corporation if the board of trustees makes bad decisions or something like that, it reflects back on them personally. See their scorecard. And then third, when you mentioned the deterrent for a cop, as soon as we ask a person to put a uniform on, we should be behind them 100%. The deterrent factor is supposed to be the 9mm they have on their hip. So if you're 6'3", and you don't do exactly what it is that the officer asks you to do, it, it, the person isn't there to argue with the officer. The officer is trying to do their job, and you know they say, well, it's excessive force. No, it wasn't. If the person said turn around, he didn't turn around. It took that amount of force to get him around. We don't support our people. No wonder why it's hard to find a cop. And the people who are making these decisions sit behind a desk, and they got the sheriff around them and everything like that. They're all well protected, and they just don't understand it. And it's, you know, I sound like I'm sick and tired of it. Yes, because I've been saying this for multiple years. And uh, so those are my three points. Yeah, I think, uh, and, and and you make a good point. Yes, the, the firearm. It used to be the badge was a deterrent back in the day when, when we respected authority. I don't know about you. I, I suspect you as well. I was brought up to respect authority. Even if I didn't happen to like it at the time, I was brought up, you respect authority. And we've lost that uh, in our culture. Let me, interrupt for, let me interrupt for a moment. One of the things we had back then, if we disrespected the cop, our parents got upset with us. Yes. The thing is, kids can get by with being disrespectful. In other words, the cop, I don't want them calling you names, but if you call that cop uh, a mother this or that or anything, hey, that's a whole other crime from what you're being talked to. And, you know, you get a good stiff penalty and you get in the back of the cop car and you get a ride. Respect is the one thing that we're really missing. And you have to hold people to that respect line. We're not doing that. And even our government officials aren't doing that. They're busy selling out the cops, and it's horrible. Bad cop, don't want it. But at the same time, 
if you've got a badge on and a uniform and you recognize a cop, you treat him with respect or you're going to jail. And you don't get to call him names. You don't get to do all that type of racial slurs and the whole thing. It's a two-way street. We're not teaching the public what they need to do. Yeah, Larry, I okay, think thank you, Mike. Yeah, absolutely, and I think your point about that that parental uh, pressure, that parental expectation is so important. If you don't have that at home, Larry, uh, it, it's not going to happen out on the streets. Great point. Thank you. Appreciate your call. Okay. Great calls today, Larry from Thank you, Larry from Hayward, uh, weighing in and and talking about, uh, you know, maybe we need uh, one of his points I thought was excellent. Maybe we need to hold these parole board members accountable. Uh, I've I've just been aghast at some of their recommendations. We we keep hearing these. Uh, who was it? Most was it Lynette From uh, that was. Uh, uh, who was it? Uh, anyway, uh, oh, the uh, Charles Manson uh, associate was was up for parole, and and Governor Newsom said nope. And she's uh, what now seventy years old. His uh, his associate there, and uh, Governor Newsom said no. Well, I don't think the parole board ever should have recommended her for release in the first place, given the horrible, horrible, vicious, evil things that she did with Charles Manson. And so I agree with you. Maybe we need a way to hold the parole boards accountable. We'll continue the conversation in five minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Local Talk is back in the Valley with KFIV's Mike Douglas. Weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation. Here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV, where we have a commitment to be live and local and to talk about the issues. Give you your voice. Make sure your voice is heard about the issues of the day. And uh, my privilege to uh, help with that process and facilitate it with you right here Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 p.m. on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Before we leave the subject of the uh, six folks who were shot to death tragically in Sacramento on uh, Sunday and the 12 who were injured, did you know that California already has the nation's strongest gun laws? Yeah, according to the Giffords Law Center to Prevent Gun Violence, California is ranked number one as having the most laws. Let's see, who's number two? Uh, well, I'm not sure number two. Uh, New Jersey is is up there as well. But California is, is by this uh, particular organization, ranked number one. In fact, we have the most gun laws of any state. We have, at last count, 107 gun laws, according to the State Firearm Laws Project at Boston University. So here we have all, we are leading the nation in the number of laws. And that should tell you something, that it is not these laws that are the deterrents, are they? What, 
what's the real? We've been talking about what's the real issue. How would we approach that? And uh, I've noticed that none of the callers that called today said make a new law. They're talking about policy differences, but not about legislators making a new law. God forbid in uh, in Sacramento. Before we leave that subject, I also want to talk about and and this uh, comes back to this. The, the, the subject of California Parole Board and people being released early. The second person who has been arrested in conjunction with the shooting on Sunday, let me reiterate, none of the three who have been arrested, two brothers and another person, none of the three are being directly charged with any of the murders at this time. But they were in the area. Uh, they were tangentially connected to it. Uh, so I'm just saying that to make sure we got the context correctly. Apparently, Smiley Martin, now he's the brother of uh, the man who was uh, Dondre Martin, who was arrested first. Um, the DA, Anne Marie Schubert in Sacramento, did not want this guy out, Smiley Martin. He was supposed to be serving a 10-year sentence for domestic violence and assault with great bodily injury. In fact, Sacramento DA apparently wrote a two-page letter to the Board of Parole hearings urging that they keep Smiley Martin in custody. Well, what happened? He was released. And what was he doing Saturday night, just before the shootings, he was recording himself on Facebook Live brandishing a handgun, apparently a few hours before the shooting. Anyway, apparently he was injured in the shooting. I think he still may be at a hospital in the Sacramento area. So he's charged with possession of a machine gun and possession of a firearm by a prohibited person. And uh, let's see, a letter obtained uh, by the Sacramento Bee through a California Public Records Act request details his offenses. In January 2013, six months after his 18th birthday, uh, inmate Martin attempted to discard an assault rifle, which he had concealed in his waistband under his clothing. Rifle had a pistol grip and the capacity to accept a detachable magazine. Ten months later, he and three others walked into a Walmart, pushed a clerk aside in the electronics department, and then ripped off several Galaxy notebooks to the tune of about $2,800. And during the investigation, they found that, uh, let's see, that law enforcement discovered additional robberies committed on November 29, 2013. And I also talked about, I mean, this is a, this is just an upstanding citizen. Are, are you getting the picture here? He was also involved in an incident uh, which led to the 10-year pr- prison sentence. Apparently, he forced his way into his girlfriend's home, located her hiding in a bedroom closet, hit her repeatedly with a closed fist, about her face, head, and body causing visible injuries. He then dragged her out of her home by her hair to an awaiting car. And after he put her in the car, he assaulted her with a belt. 
Plus, during the investigation, information was gathered that his victim, his girlfriend, so to speak, had been working as a prostitute and that he had been assisting and encouraging her to be a prostitute. In fact, he would tell her what kind of sex the buyer uh, she should date, what kind of sex buyer she should date, how much money to charge, how to accept payment, and what forms of payment she should accept. This was unreal. And, and this guy was released, the Department of Corrections and Rehabilitations. Uh, this was, has, he was part of 76,000 inmates that have been released statewide. As shown by inmate Smartin's pattern of conduct, he is an assaultive and non-compliant individual and has absolutely no regard for his victims who are left in the wake of numerous serious offenses, wrote D.A. Schubert. In Sacramento, she said he has no respects for others, for law enforcement, or for the law. And then she wrote, if he is released early, he will continue to break the law. Well, here he is. Thank you, California Parole Board. Here he is brandishing a weapon. I mean, is this, plus, maybe not too bright, (laughs) brandishing a weapon live on social media and and this uh, hours before the uh, the deadly shootings in in Sacramento so again the question is with over 107 gun laws already with California leading the nation in the amount of gun laws and as is demonstrated by this particular example of good old smiley martin this guy is a bad character He does evil things. He's got a record of doing evil things, and yet he was let out early on parole. What should we do about this? 209-551-3483. Let's check in with Cheryl from Manteca. Hi, Cheryl. What are your thoughts? Hi, Mike. I think that we have plenty of laws in place for the guns. I think we're one of the problems is is the black market where people are buying guns illegally. Those who are registered gun owners, they're not going to be doing this type of thing. The majority of them are not. There might be a small percentage, but if the gun is found and it's registered to them, guess what? Guess who's in trouble? But there's a big black market out there that I think people are completely, totally forgetting to focus upon. These guns are illegally obtained, if, even if it's from a, a home that was robbed and we obtained a gun from that home. These guys aren't getting this stuff for free. And Cheryl, and, and good point, excellent point, that the bad guys and gals are going to get the weapons regardless of what the laws are because they're lawbreakers. And I think this brings and to... they're getting them illegally... Yeah, absolutely. If they're getting them illegally. Guess what? They're not going to follow the laws. They don't care. Exactly, and and I think uh, you you bring up one of the points that, I, and I can't believe Cheryl that uh, the politicians who are pushing for getting rid of guns and and more strict gun laws and such, I can't believe they don't know this. I think they're purposefully ignoring it and not and not addressing it. And that is Cheryl the salient point. Really, it's the crucial point you bring up is that you can have a billion gun laws in place, 
But these are criminals, and they're going to get the guns, as you say, on the black market. They're not going to go register their guns, for goodness sakes. And so, Cheryl, I think it's uh, it's really hypocritical of the politicians and the way they're they're approaching this. Uh, let me give you the last word before we go I, away for a couple I minutes. Agree. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, they're giving more leeway to the criminals than they are to the taxpaying citizens who are abiding by the law. Cheryl, great point. Thanks for your call. Cheryl from Antica reminding us, listen, the bad guys and the bad gals, they're going to get the guns anyway. Again, California, 107 gun laws. We apparently lead the nation in that. And yet we still have a problem. What does that tell you? We'll continue the conversation. And by the way, Chris Christie, former governor of New Jersey and and also a a former uh, U.S. prosecutor, he was on with uh, Trey Gowdy, I think, two Sundays ago. And I'm not a huge Chris Christie fan. I'm hot and cold on on him a little bit. But I thought he made some excellent points. I'm going to play those points for you about... What do we do about this? I've been asking, what do we do about this? I think Chris Christie has some good thoughts, and he's been there, done that, so he speaks with some experience and with some street credibility as well. That's going to come up in three minutes. On the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Father, preacher, friend. It's the conversation you've missed. The Mike Douglas Show. Weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. We've been talking about deterrence to crime and specifically violent crime. In general, I'm not a huge Chris Christie fan, but I'm always for listening to folks and what they have to say. And I've got to credit Chris Christie with... Some comments I think were really good. And this goes back to a conversation he had with Trey Gowdy on Fox, I think on March, yeah, March 27. Uh, Trey Gowdy was noting that 27 people were injured, including children under 11 years old, at a mass uh, shooting at a car show in Arkansas about two weeks ago. Uh, Up up to, uh, and not counting, our shooting in Sacramento this weekend, There were uh, over 100 mass shootings in America since the beginning of January, 36 of those just occurring in March. Major cities had record high homicide rates in 2021. So what do we do about it? Something we've been talking about today. What ought we to do about it? Chris Christie, as you know, is a former governor of New Jersey, and he's also a former U.S. prosecutor as well. And uh, he, he talked about how U.S. attorneys and how the Attorney General of the United States can turn things around. Here's Chris Christie. President Biden, during his campaign and so far in his administration, has shown not only no interest in stopping violent crime, 
the rhetoric they've been using actually encourages violent crime. Um, they have not been supportive of the police and their mission. Um, they have not been supportive of prosecutors who want to be aggressive about rooting out violent crime. In fact, um, you know, Democratic Party has been supporting prosecutors around the country in places like New York City, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and Chicago. Uh, prosecutors who don't want to prosecute violent crime um, and don't want to put people in jail. Uh, and this kind of atmosphere out there demoralizes police. They don't do their jobs then nearly as well as they otherwise could. And we're in this situation. And this can be fixed by the President of the United States and the Attorney General of the United States by setting a much different tone. And, uh, you know, Judge Garland and the President have not done that. In fact, they've done the opposite. He's talking about Merrick Garland, our current Attorney General of the United States of America. And again, Chris Christie speaks with authority because he was one of those U.S. attorneys uh, many, many years ago. Uh, he also talked about the role U.S. attorneys have played and the role they can play in driving down violent crime. Well, especially in violent crime, Trey, I'll tell you what we did in the Bush administration when I was the U.S. attorney in New Jersey. We partnered in our major cities, in Camden, in Trenton, in Newark, in Patterson, with the local police departments. And when we had people who were repeat violent offenders, we worked with them to bring those cases federally, where the sentences were much stiffer, where parole was not available for these folks, and where they were going to be sent to a federal prison far away from their home in New Jersey. I will tell you, that would reduce violent criminals to tears, and they would turn on their other violent criminals, turn other people in, and we turned Camden from what was the murder capital of America when I became U.S. attorney um, to reducing now by 70 percent the murder rate in Camden. Federal government can work in partnership with the local government and send their worst offenders federally to make sure they get stiff sentences and they're not in a revolving door of parole. Now, am I all for rehabilitation? I am. Are we doing well at rehabilitation? I don't think so. I am all for successful programs for rehabilitation and giving people the opportunity to straighten up and fly right as the old song used to go in from what the 1950s but what we're seeing is a soft on crime attitude and it's just the, the this disrespect for this chipping away at the rule of law is sending the united states of america down the drain when it comes to honoring victims and honoring law-abiding citizens. Uh, let me get one more statement in here from Chris Christie. Trey Gowdy asked him, what should U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland be asking of his U.S. attorneys across the nation right now? What he should do is call all those U.S. attorneys together and say, I demand that you partner in your major areas of your, your districts with local law enforcement, and I want to see the violent crime prosecutions in your district start increasing immediately. 
And believe me, there's enough crime out there to do it. And he could direct them to do it. And I will tell you that in the Bush administration, uh, when people didn't do it, they were reprimanded. Um, and they were brought down to Washington, D.C. and told, you want to keep this job, you have to be able to pursue the goals of the president and the attorney general. And we had a, a program called Project Safe Neighborhoods that worked uh, just that way and was reducing violent crime all throughout the country. That can be done and should be done. And by the way, the mayors in some of these cities that are really besieged by crime should be insisting that it be done. Absolutely. Uh, I I agree with his comments. The, the three clips that we have played, I agree with his comments 100%. I think he's right on the money. I want to go back uh, a couple of years now. Uh, I don't remember, uh, probably eight years, seven, eight years ago. Uh, Advancing Vibrant Communities, we were involved <clears throat> with a, a program to address uh, gang crime. <clears throat> and uh, the partnership was with local government. And they would go, and it, this is the way it rolled. And, and for, like a lot of programs, unfortunately, what happened was it was part of a grant. And when the grant money runs out, the program ends. That's one issue is we don't have consistency. We don't have long-term plans here. We don't have sustainability. But anyway, we were involved uh, with the county, and uh, the U.S. Uh, uh, attorney for our area was involved as well, as well as probation, local law enforcement, state law enforcement, etc. And the, uh, the idea was <clears throat> to round up, and this is as a result of uh, requirements of their uh, parole or their probation, uh, the probation officers would would bring in uh, some of the worst offenders uh, from local gangs, and we would have a sit-down with them. And I was there representing local pastors, and we'd say, look, this has got to stop. And we, we will help you. We will help you get where you want to go if you had simply quit killing people. You know, it's a simple deal here. And what was interesting was there are there were some that made a legitimate effort. We'd ask well, if if you were to work instead <clears throat> instead of selling drugs or whatever, what would you like to? I a lot of them said I'd like to be an auto mechanic. All right, we can get you set up with a training program if you're serious about it. You have to show up at this this time, etc. Many did not. Some did. Some took advantage of it. But the point was we were coming together as a community and saying with one voice, we're not going to put up with this anymore. And thanks to uh, Stanislaus County DA's office, one of their uh, deputy DAs uh, was there, and, and he was really matter-of-fact. He basically told him, I'm not here to be your friend. I am not here to be your friend. I am here to put you away forever if that's what needs to be done. But if you're willing to cooperate, I'm willing to cooperate with you. The, the problem is that these programs run out of funding or they're grant-based and the grant runs out. What we need are sustainable programs that uh, that maintain a, a presence and i love the community involvement so anyway the reason i'm bringing that up is chris christie mentioned 
uh, filing federal charges. When you file federal charges, the majority, it's in the high 90%, the majority of federal prosecutions result in a conviction and doing time. And so when you said to a gangbanger who's hurting people, we're going to take you, you're not going to do your time in in uh, California, you're going to do it in another state and you're going to do hard time and mommy and daddy and mama and sister and cousins can't come visit you, uh, made some of them think twice. I don't know that we have that, uh, that hammer anymore. Do we anyway, we'll, we'll talk more about that as well as, uh, just our general attitude towards forgiveness and boundaries which are also needed. Coming up in five minutes, Mike Douglas Show, Power Talk 1360, KFIV. The show you love with even more local news and more local reaction, The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome to our number two of The Mike Douglas Show here on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon in California's Central Valley. Mike Douglas with you, your concierge for conversation as we get underway in our second hour We've been uh, talking about the uh, deadly shooting up in Sacramento, Uh, talked about Chris Christie and his idea uh, regarding how or ideas regarding how we can how we can turn things around in terms of the erosion of the rule of law in the United States of America. His point is it has to start with at the top with uh, President Joe Biden with uh, our Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland, and then uh, Merrick Garland taking his U.S. attorneys to task and saying, look, your responsibility is to enforce the law. Let's do it. I like that. Now, I'm anticipating some of the pushback out there. Not, not, well, I know. Now you're thinking, what kind of pushback would you get, Mike? Well, it's pushback. Mike Douglas, you're a pastor. I mean, where's your spirit of forgiveness? Don't you believe in in rehabilitation and and such? Don't you believe in reconciliation? Absolutely, I do. Absolutely. If I didn't believe in in restoration, I'd be toast forever, literally. So I I do, but what it depends upon is accepting the offer of that reconciliation, of that rehabilitation, and accepting the consequences of that offer, which means I can't do what I want to do all the time anymore. The world does not revolve around me, and I must think of others more than I think of myself at times. And that's not popular today, is it? especially when when we consider uh, the way that uh, some folks want the whole world to, in in a very narcissistic way, they want the whole world to revolve around them. I'm I'm thinking of the transgender swimmer. And he, who would like to be a she, that's his problem. That's not my issue. That's his business. But my business is 
all of these wonderful female college swimmers who spent their lifetimes up to this point training for these uh, swimming meets. And uh, he comes in because he wants to be a gal. And he comes in with his male body and his male bone structure, etc. And he's uh, winning and taking a lot of those uh, races away from them. That, to me, is the height of narcissism. That's, I want you to love me like I love myself, and and you must do everything that you can to work around what I want. Well, you see, God's economy doesn't work that way. And that's the benefit of a worldview that is God-centric versus man-centric. Because when we get personal-centric, we naturally tend toward narcissism. What's best for me? The world revolves around me, and everyone needs to fall in line. So, getting back to the point, yes, I'm calling for hardcore enforcement of the laws, as Chris Christie was talking about. Do I believe in forgiveness? Absolutely. Forgiveness involves boundaries. Forgiveness involves boundaries. Forgiveness does not mean forgetting. Forgiveness means acknowledging the offense and then letting it go, forgiving that person and taking that burden off of you. It does not mean enabling that person to stay dysfunctional as a lawbreaker and as a person who is violent, hurting other people. It does not mean entering into a codependent relationship with them to help them, let me put it this way, stay sick. No. Forgiveness means, yes, I will forgive you for this offense, but very proper to put boundaries in place so that it doesn't happen again. I can't tell you how many over the years, both in law enforcement and as a vocational pastor, in cases of domestic violence, I can't tell you how many, how many times that uh, the the women who were being beat up physically and emotionally were reticent <clears throat> to prosecute. And I understand that because oftentimes these women were re-victimized in court. However, we must enforce the law or the law is of no use whatsoever. And if we keep letting perpetrators out, like Mr. Smiley here up in Sacramento, they will repeat offend. <clears throat> in fact, one of our callers uh, brought that up earlier today. These repeat offenders. And it, you, you look at these uh, shootings and time and time again, or, or stabbings, uh, no matter what type of violent act it may be, yes, there are crimes of passion that happen on the spur of the moment, for, but for the most part, people who engage in this type of violence have had some kind of history before. And that history needs to be dealt with. How do we prevent these things from happening again? Let's deal with the root causes. Let's deal first with identifying what the problem is. The problem is people. The problem is not the gun. As I have mentioned before, the invention of guns came in the 9th, 10th century. 
thanks to the Chinese and the invention of gunpowder. And they had bamboo shoots or uh, long metal shoots that that uh, would could be loaded with the gunpowder, and they found out that they could shoot pellets out of these things at people and overcome an enemy that way. Well, okay, that was uh, 900, 1,000 uh, A.D. What happened before then? Well, you see, people killed other people with their hands. People killed other people with stones, uh, with boulders, with big rocks, uh, with spears, with knives, and with swords. And so this inane idea that by eliminating guns will eliminate violence in our culture is absolutely without foundation. It's not even a bad foundation. It's a non-existent foundation. We need to deal with the human issue. It is the human that pulls the trigger. It is the human that throws the rock. It is the human that throws the spear. It is the human that jabs with the knife. It is the human that decapitates with the sword. And yes, that still happens around the world today. We need to deal with the human issue and quit blaming it on the tool. The tool is just a tool. A hammer is a wonderful thing. A wrench is a wonderful thing. You, I can do great things with, I can also mess things up, but I can do great things with a hammer and with a wrench. But if I use it in the improper way against a fellow human, you see, it's not the wrench's fault. It's not the hammer's fault. It's mine. And this our, our society's inability anymore to assign responsibility to the individual that has eroded in our society. And I believe it's one of the reasons that we're facing the violent culture that we're in today. What do you think? How do we get back to dealing with the individual as the problem instead of the tool. Area code 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. So I hope I've explained that well as a pastor, all for rehabilitation, all for forgiveness with boundaries. God does not allow us to run amok without boundaries, nor without consequences. That's a misinterpretation of his economy and of Scripture itself. I'll take your calls as we explore how do we deal with the human issue? How do we deal with assigning human responsibility to this? 209-551-3483 as the Mike Douglas Show continues in three minutes. Here on Power Talk 1360, KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. It's today's conversation for Stockton, Modesto, and beyond. beyond. Now back to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to uh, the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV as we're talking about the erosion of the rule of law in our culture and how do we prevent 
these types of crimes, these types of violent crimes like the shooting in Sacramento. How do we prevent them? I've issued a, uh, a thought, and that is let's deal with the humans involved, not with the tools. Let's find out what you think. Area code 209-551-3483. Let's go to Randy from Modesto. Randy, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hey, yeah, Mike, thanks for taking the call. You uh, made a good point uh, because without the tools, we wouldn't be able to operate or fix things that are broken. Now, what I believe, I'm definitely on the guy. Uh, if the penalty suits the crime, then we need to clank up the old chair again, you know, because if they know that if you do this type of crime and the penalty is going to be there, then I don't think we would have to worry about mass shooting as so much because of the fact people are so weak on crime now, they rather, uh, 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 instead of trying to help the victim, you want to help the one that commits the crime, you, you, you know. And I just don't feel that that's right. If they know the consequences is going to be severe, then I don't think that they would do such a, All right, Randy, thanks so much for calling. Yeah, Randy, making the point, what about deterrence? Where where are the deterrents? What kind of deterrence can we provide? I agree with you, Randy. And and the the added, if we dig a little deeper behind that particular subject, Randy, the other issue is let's say we have the deterrence. The problem we're having with a lot of uh, district attorneys across California right now is they're not enforcing the deterrence. See, that's one of the problems. Uh, They're not enforcing the law. They're not enforcing the sentences. And so even if we have the laws on the books, apparently uh, DAs feel that they um, they have the room to not enforce the law and the sentences as uh, as they have been laid down uh, by the legislatures. So, Randy, yeah, good point. One thing, uh, again, I agree, deterrence are a good thing, but we have to be able to uh, be willing to enforce them as well. Great point, Randy. Appreciate that very much. Uh, let's go to the phones again, 209-551-3483. Kathleen from Oakdale, what are your thoughts about this subject today, Kathleen? Uh, my thoughts are simply that we have to recognize organized crime uh, when organized crime is a is a is actually um, is actually what's uh, perpetrating the uh, violent crime, especially the gun crimes. And uh, uh, the reason why is because they are not going to be rehabilitated uh, these criminals unless uh, they are reduced to tears, as Chris Christie calls it. And uh, recognizing the fact that they are a member of a crime organization is the only thing that's going to reduce them to tears. And, um, and I think that um, the uh, DAs would be uh, more likely, the district attorneys would be more likely to bring charges, and police officers would be more likely to write reports. Police officers, for uh, as many uh, police reports as there are out there on these uh, violent crimes, there are police reports that haven't been written, and that they haven't been written means they're not even in the statistics. The statistics, and so uh, there's a lot more violent crime going on, and and the reports that do not get written are um, 
the organized crime, uh, and that's the reason why they don't get written. Anytime a police officer uh, senses that organized crime has committed this uh, violent crime, uh, they're, they're less likely to uh, write the report, and the DA is less likely to uh, bring charges and so on and so forth because they don't want to bring the wrath of the crime organization against uh, the department and against, uh, yeah, against the department, either the police department or the judicial department. So um, it's um, – uh, uh, Yeah, Kathleen, that – that's a that's a re- and thanks for the call by the way. Uh, that is a very interesting thesis. Uh, Kathleen is is making the case that in in many of these cases she believes that some types of organized crime uh, is behind it, and that the police officers and the DAs are unwilling to write the reports or uh, prosecute because they're intimidated by, worried by organized crime. Uh, interesting thought. I, I'm i going to need to uh, mull that over a little bit, but uh, thanks thanks for the thought. And, and I do believe there is organized crime, absolutely. And, you know, we often think of that in terms of, uh, well, I, I do. In my growing up years, we, we think of, uh, of the mafia, uh, but there are many types of organized crime. There's there's white collar crime, so to speak, uh, that is uh, not so much uh, uh, visible, but takes place by uh, uh, by uh, manipulating markets and and uh, by uh, victimizing people and victimizing them in terms of their finance. I mean, there's lots of different kinds of of organized crime. Now, Kathleen, I, I have to say this. And, and you may have some examples that, that I don't have, and which is fine. But I'm just telling you, in my experience, uh, in law enforcement, as a law enforcement chaplain, then in the fire service, and as a vocational pastor, I have not run across yet a police officer, either municipal PD or a uh, sheriff's deputy, who has not been willing to write a report. Um, I have... There, there are times when the reports aren't written well, sometimes, but I, I think generally that cops are, are all for writing the report and, and getting the conviction, or <clears throat> at least getting the uh, complaint filed, rather. What happens at the DA level is another story. And I, I think in places like Stanislaus County, I think the DA's office has a, a good record. Uh, in L.A., under George Goscone, No. Uh, under uh, Chase of Bodine in San Francisco, no, soft on on penalties. And uh, it'd be interesting to know, and, and I, I don't know how we'd find out, but if, if Kathleen's thesis is right, if there's any intimidation of organized crime behind that, uh, I, I'm sure that has occurred. I'm just saying I have not experienced that myself. But the point of the Mike Douglas show is to give you a voice and for us to be able to discuss the various uh, facets of these issues. And so, uh, Kathleen, thank you for bringing your perspective to the to the fore. Appreciate that. Uh, in- interesting, uh, interesting thought. I, I think in terms of statistics, this is another issue. 
and and Kathleen brought this up. And thank you for bringing uh, statistics up, Kathleen, because I think that's important. We have seen some problems in uniform reporting of statistics across the United States from law enforcement. It's not always consistent. Uh, it is, uh, and, and statistics are always, I think, squishy. And that, that's why I, I look at statistics, I give them some credibility, uh, and I, I, I try to be careful, and, and I do this about polling as well, about not relying upon a st- statistic as my complete foundation for a point of view. It may lend credence to it, but statistics also have to do with interpretation. It has to do with how they are entered, uh, under what categories they are entered. Think, think of, let me just bring this to a, uh, a, a recent point, and that is COVID-19. People die from COVID-19. Well, yes and no. A lot of people die with COVID-19, but they have other mitigating factors, uh, comorbidities, as they are called. And in the statistics that we see, I believe a lot of the statistics in California and across the nation have been spun. Uh, They've been cooked a little bit to favor whatever narrative the person has who's using the statistics. Do we actually know how many people have died just of COVID-19? I mean, for no other reason of COVID-19. Do we know that? I don't think we do. Do we know that people die with COVID-19? Yes. Well, how do we know from the reporting? How do we differentiate? How do we know that COVID-19 was just maybe not a contribute, maybe a contributing factor that they had uh, terrible heart disease or uh, they had uh, severe diabetes or you name it. Uh, you see, so st- statistics, I, again, I'm, I use them. I stick my finger up in the air, wet it, and see which way the wind is blowing. That's kind of how I use statistics. I don't rely upon them as gospel truth because I believe they can often uh, be manipulated. All right, we're going to talk about uh, what what else is happening up in Sacramento. There's a bill, AB 2223. Some say it purports to support infanticide. Others say, no, it's there to protect the mother. We'll talk about that in five minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Local Talk is back in the Valley with KFIV's Mike Douglas. Weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Mike Douglas here serving as your personal concierge for conversation as we we talk about the issues of the day that are affecting you and me dramatically right here in the Central Valley of California. Our phone number here, 209-551-3483. Uh, just a quick note, just got this uh, across my desk here. Apparently, maybe about the time we went on the air today, a group of uh, Democrat uh, legislators are holding a, 
uh, press conference, I believe, on the steps of the state capitol. And according to reporter Ashley uh, Zavala, they are saying that they're going to double down on their attempts to get uh, state gun laws passed. Uh, She notes a couple of the, and we've mentioned a few of these, a couple of uh, bills on the minds of the of these legislatures legislators at the moment. SB thirteen twenty seven. We mentioned that where citizens can sue uh, to enforce California assault weapons ban and further uh, limit ghost guns. Kid, uh, citizens can sue the manufacturers of those weapons. AB fifteen ninety four. Same thing. Uh, Let's see. uh, Allows individuals, local government, attorney general to sue firearm manufacturers, sellers for the harm their products cause. Uh, And then AB 2571 bans the marketing of certain weapons to kids. And this is here we go. Uh, Also a report that Senator Anthony Portentino, who gave us SB 906, which did not make it. Uh, is uh, vowing to bring it back, and that's the bill that would require parents to disclose to their schools, or the schools their children are attending, if there's a gun in the home, where it is, what kind of access the children have to it. Uh, So here we go, big government uh, again, and I don't believe for a moment this is really all about protecting uh, the kids. I don't believe it's about really addressing violent crime at all because it's not dealing with the root cause. It's not. It's dealing with getting rid of guns. Well, that's their agenda. Understand that. But don't be hypocritical and pretend that it's about something else is uh, is my message. All right. There's another uh, bill that is up before our legislators up in Sacramento. And again, anytime the massive legislators in Sacramento get together and start doing things. It always, I, I cringe because I don't, uh, I can't wait for what, what comes out of that. AB 2223. Uh, it depends on how you look at it. Uh, Planned Parenthood, other organizations that are quote pro-choice. They're saying it's a, it's a law to protect those who have an abortion or experience a miscarriage from civil or criminal liability. Let's take the abortion issue out for a moment. And so they're they're bringing this bill forward so that women will not be charged with crimes due to a miscarriage? Does that make any sense to you? I, I must be missing something here. I, I, are, are, are women getting convicted, charged and convicted of having miscarriages? Now, if they're doing it because they intentionally were doing things to hurt the fetus, okay. But I, I just, uh, I, I don't get that. To me... Let, let And again, you, you always have to sift through the spin. Why can't people just say what they mean? No, can't do that, Mike. We have to spin it, especially with all the information sources that we have today. We always have to spin something. 
And all sides do that. I'm not just saying it's, it's just one political side or perspective. I'll do it. And you can smell it. Do you, do you have an internal spin meter? I think you probably do. I have an internal spin meter, and I can tell when it starts to go off just by reading headlines. And because many headlines, especially on social media, are designed to be clickbait. They're designed to get you to click on it. And then you read through it. And sometimes after you read through it, in fact, many times after you read through it, you find out that the actual issue really isn't what the uh, headline was talking about. The idea was to get you to click on it so that whoever is, uh, is on that particular site can say how many clicks they have and they were able to charge advertisers more money. All about the dollar, mostly about the dollar, uh, I would say. So, and, and here's another one, SB 107 by Senator Scott Weiner of San Francisco uh, to provide protections for transgender youths, their families, and their medical providers who come to California seeking gender-affirming medical treatment from states that have passed restrictions on such services by young people. Okay, so anyway, let's get back to AB 2223. So... Planned Parenthood says this bill is just about protecting mothers from being charged with crimes if their fetuses or or their born babies die. Well, not so fast, say opponents like the California Family Council. They're arguing that this would legalize infanticide. And uh, in one report, it says the language of the bill states that a person shall not be subject to civil or criminal liability with respect to their pregnancy or actual potential or alleged pregnancy outcome. Are you, are you seeing the, the fog come in here? Including miscarriage, stillbirth, abortion, or perinatal death. Well, what is perinatal death? That's the problem is the bill originally didn't define that. So uh, apparently uh, the author of the bill has added the wording perinatal death due to a pregnancy-related cause. What is a perinatal death related to a pregnancy-related cause? Does that make it clearer for you? This, uh, I, I, I don't understand. I, I don't understand this. So here, here's a good thought. Let's say the mother is addicted to methamphetamines and the mother comes to near a full-term pregnancy or even delivers and it's a stillborn and it is a stillborn due to her methamphetamine addiction. Should the mother be charged with a crime? That's one of these issues. What do you think about that? This bill would probably protect the mother from being charged with a crime. What do you think? 209-551-3483. The opponents of the bill are saying, Well, that may be one facet of it, but another facet is that the woman may decide that she wants 
to not have the baby live after the baby is delivered. And so if the doctor so cooperates, then the woman is not subject to being prosecuted. To me, this has so many questions attached to it. To me, this is so foggy. The fog surrounding this, to me, is probably intentional. When you get so many words uh, involved in this, I, I again, my spin meter starts to peg to the right. California family counselors arguing that the bill would protect people who kill their infants post-birth. As currently in print, it may not sufficiently be clear that perinatal death is intended to be the consequence of a pregnancy complication. Again, I, I, I think it's very hard for us. I think it's very hard for us to, to give an opinion on this because the wording is so obscure. By the way, this was, uh, bill was brought forward, AB 2223, by Assemblywoman Buffy Wicks. Uh, she's a Democrat out of Oakland. And again, the intent that no Californian will be investigated, prosecuted, or incarcerated for ending a pregnancy or experiencing a pregnancy loss. The uh, Assembly Judiciary Committee has weighed in with their analysis, and apparently the Assembly Judiciary Committee is saying the bill could be interpreted to immunize a pregnant woman from all criminal penalties for all pregnancy outcomes, including the death of a newborn for any reason during the perinatal period after birth including a cause of death which is not attributable attributable rather to pregnancy complications which is clearly not the author's intent says the assembly judiciary committee again i i think it's one of those cases where we have to read the bill in depth for ourselves we have to look at how both sides are framing it, how both sides may be spinning it, and then we can arrive at a a decent decision. I'm questioning why, I mean, are, are there women who are drug addicts that are being prosecuted because their babies are stillborn because of their drug addictions? I don't know. Is this just to protect them? I doubt it. I think it has more broad applications, judging from the the broadness of the language and the lack of specificity. Again, uh, it's one of those things, my friends, when we have to be careful about immediately taking sides on these things until we know the full story behind it. I'm not doubting the California Family Council it's just uh, I'm I'm reticent to jump on bandwagons and label it a, a, an infanticide bill until I've actually seen the full language and have heard the debates about it. And the problem with that, you and I, is that we have jobs, right? We have we do things for a living, and there's not enough time in the day to research all of these bills. So the best we can do is is discuss them with each other, to research them as best we can, and to uh, try to ferret out 
uh, the truth with that. Well, we'll we'll uh, we'll continue the discussion in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show. Coming up on Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV, we'll be right back. The Mike Douglas Show now weekdays from three till five on Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV. Father, preacher, friend. It's the conversation you've missed. The Mike Douglas Show. Weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas back with you. Thanks for joining us here on the Mike Douglas Show. My favorite time of the day between 3 and 5 p.m. when you and I get to discuss the issues of the day that affect us directly. And I I am continually disturbed by our society's attack upon children. Uh <laughs> In, in the guise of doing a favor for them, like, well, let's uh, let's offer children the opportunity to change their gender at uh, age seven. No, no, to me, that's child abuse. And then we look at some of these bills, and it's hard to tell the way they're written sometimes, whether they're there to uh, attack children or whether they're there to protect children or whether they're there to give uh, the mother's protection and not the children. And it's hard to know because I think the bills are intentionally written so that judges later on can interpret them whatever way the bill designer uh, had in mind. Just my suspicion. All right, let's see what you think about uh, this whole issue involving AB 2223 and, and the issues involved. Our number here, 209-551-3483. Uh, let's go to Chris and Modesto. Hi, Chris. Thanks for calling in. What's on your mind? Well, I usually agree with you on a lot of things, Mike, but these bills and uh, the way they're written and even the ones that are written like what they say, make the child comfortable until the parents decide or the mother decides, and then, and then we'll decide what to do. It's, it's just a, akin to modern-day child sacrifice. I mean, there's no sanctity of life anymore. Um, when I was a kid, I wanted to be Captain America, but they wouldn't let me be, you know, this kids are too little, and we're just taking away all their innocence, all their security, and really bad decisions are being made. And it's, you know, like I said, it's like a modern-day version of child sacrifice with all these other bills that are coming up where the children don't have any rights, don't have any protection. Right. Yes. It bothers me me a lot. It it really gets to my spirit and my soul because it's, it's sad what we're becoming. I, I agree with you, Chris, and in my my angst here is the way that these bills are written because it makes it so difficult to understand what they're really about. I have high or deep suspicions about AB 2223, to be honest with you. It's just I, I think we need to research it more to be able to say uh, for sure, yeah, it's about infanticide. I agree with you, Chris. I think there's a general societal war against children. And part of that has to do with the worldview yeah. that's behind yeah. that. Yeah. So uh, thank you, yeah. Chris. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree with you, my friend. Thanks for calling in. Chris well, from Modesto. You know my prayers, and thanks for doing what you do. Hey, thank you, brother. We appreciate that uh, very much. Chris from Modesto. Uh, let's uh, let's head out to uh, Hayward again. Uh, Larry, your, your thoughts about what we are hearing here. Well, I have kind of a general term that I've been trying to get out, and it's called a political pedophile. And these are politicians who come up with ideas, and they really try to peddle it to children. 
and I count children all the way up to age 17. If you're a politician and you're trying to sway a particular group uh, in this particular case, you know, they want to address young, young people, junior high, high school, and have them be involved in politics. Let children be children and let parents raise their children. And then when they're adults, it's different. So I like my new term of a political pedophile. I I think you've got a I think you've got a nugget of wisdom there, uh, Larry. Th- thanks for your call. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I I think there is a war against children in our society, and that comes from a perverted uh, worldview. And I also think it comes from uh, a desire to control society. And uh, one of our uh, callers, Chris, talked about it. it, uh, it it's almost like uh, child sacrifice, where the the good of the children really is not the main thing. Uh, it's subservient to the political narrative. Larry put a good word on it, political pedophilia or a political pedophile. And uh, I agree with that. In fact, I think, Larry, taking that a little bit further, that we may see in the not-too-distant future where pedophilia will be recognized by our errant culture as a valid sexual relationship. I see it. Don't you see it coming, my friends? Don't you see it coming down the, down the, down the pike? I, I think it's, uh, I think it's coming. I really do. I think we're not, when, when you can support surgery to remove parts of a child because of the child's idea, they want to be a different gender it's evil. I'm sorry, it's evil. Your child at five or six wants to be a opposite gender? Where did that come from? Who planted that seed? Where did that come from? And even if it's a legitimate thing, don't allow them to be programmed to do it. There are men, there are women. That's the natural order of the universe as created by God. He is the creator. That's the way that he set it up, male and female. Ah, frustrating, isn't it? It seems so simple, and yet our culture is convoluting it. By the way, I want to go back and just uh, clarify something. My my coffee-infused synapses finally came up. Uh, The name came up. I was trying to think of Leslie Van Houten. Uh, remember, she was the uh, conspirer uh, with uh, and the associate of Charles Manson uh, with the uh, the murder of uh, Leno LaBianca and uh, his wife back in August of 1969. And and realize when when Gavin Newsom just recently said, "No, Leslie Van Houten, I'm denying your parole." This is the fourth time that her parole has had to been blocked. Why is the California Parole Board, why, uh, why are the California prison authorities recommending her for parole? She should never be out back in society, ever, ever. Is she rehab- rehabilitated? Great. 
let her rehabilitate in prison and be a benefit to those she's in prison with. Oh, my goodness. We'll we'll continue. Wow, the clock's running out. I'll see you tomorrow back at 3 o'clock here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Have a great night.